people in the house who are hearing and seeing and moving and shaking. Lyra, oh, you killed it today. You killed it. You killed it, girl. I was cracking up everything she said, every prophetic word she gave. Yeah, give her a hand. Come on. That's right. We want to hear the nations. We want to hear the sound of the nations rele released in this house. So I was so encouraged when he said, yes, I'm going to take a worship team. It's like another step toward that place of third heaven kingdom sound in our midst. So I'm so glad to have you uh, leading worship. What a joy. I was cracking up. Your, all, every single word you had was right on. It was like literally you were reading my sermon point by point. It was so awesome. I'm like, God, you're so good. And then Lonnie and Donna, you too. It was just fun. And then Laura, it's like, and, you know, we're just in unity. Isn't Holy Spirit beautiful? Isn't Holy Spirit beautiful? Father God, we welcome you in this place. We worship you. We have been worshiping you. We thank you for being such a good, good father. We thank you for everything you've done in our lives this last week. We thank you for already shifting us into this new era. We thank you for the next seven days before Rosh Hashanah and the head of the year that you would finish the work that you have begun in us for this last season and grace us to come in through and to this new year in victory. In Jesus' name, fully prepared, ready to do what you called us to do. And if you're in agreement, say amen. 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 All right. So I'm going to talk a little bit about activation right up front because this service is different than the services we normally do. This is our head of the year service. Uh, it's Rosh Hashanah. You can say that three times in a row. Rosh Hashanah. Okay, so we're coming up on the Hebrew. Yeah, E. John's trying it. Good job. Pretty good there. Uh, we're coming up on the head of the year, right? We follow the Hebrew calendar because, quite frankly, it's on time. It gives us a picture of God's hearts and, and God's seasons. It is a beautiful, beautiful um, outline, really, or timeline of Christ and his finished work on our behalf. Okay, so when you study that, it's a lot of fun to study if you have never done that. Uh, Chuck Pierce is a great person to follow. Robert Heidler is another one. You can check them out. Um, we're excited about that. So we're coming into the year of 5781. Come on, somebody. Woo-woo! When I was asking Father God what he was going to call it, I went through a couple names. It was like Unity Advancement. No, that's not it. You know, Unity, it, it, Uniting to Advance. No, that's not it. And then I heard Unity for Kingdom Advancement. Come on. Unity for the sake of kingdom advancement. There's a lot of people unifying for different reasons, but Father God wants to unify his body, his corporate body of Christ, and sisters and brothers in Christ for the sake of advancing his kingdom, not ours. Can anybody say amen? How many of y'all are tired of advancing other people's kingdoms? Amen. Right? This is about the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, just like Polly was saying, who is seated in the heavenly place in his blood and broken body made a way for us to be seated there too. Amen? So we always talk about this, but I'm going to do this at the beginning because through what, what we, I really like to do at the head of the year is gather a compilation of all the prophets, the words from the prophets in the nation and the nations of the world. And I go through them and I kind of ask Father God, Father, what are you saying to your church? Okay, and what is the theme that you want to bring forth here at Shekin International for us and where we're at? So you're going to hear a lot of prophetic words and some verses that back it, okay? It's going to come hard. It's going to come fast. But at the end of a lot of these, I'm just going to do the activation real quick. And if you want to receive it, you just get your hands out there, do what he says to do, and position yourself to receive because we're going to move it and we're going to do it for every single one, okay? So I'm going to do this at the beginning. Activation is the process of making something active or operative. Revelation brings responsibility, Amen. 
Spiritual gifts can be taught, caught, or activated by faith. We're teaching right now. You caught something in worship, and we're going to activate it by faith after every single one of these words that we share from the prophets and the legend and in the nation, okay? Revelation comes through what? All five senses. We talk about this every week. Interpretation is key. Ask God what it means. Do not assume. You know it's true if it aligns with God's word. If it doesn't align with his word, guess what? You need to re-ask or learn the word. Okay, so if somebody comes to you and says, that's not biblical, it's because it, it's not aligning with the word of God. And we need to humble ourselves and submit to the word, not be contrary to it, okay? Then application, ask what God wants you to do with it. Do not assume. Do not assume. We always, I, well, we won't say that, but you know the acronym. You know what I'm talking about, people, okay? When we assume, it makes a blank out of you and me, right? It's in the King James Version, but I won't say it. Okay, it makes a donkey out of you and me. You tracking with me now? Okay. Right? It makes us look silly when we assume. And this is the beautiful thing. God is eternal. So even if you've experienced something before, you've gotten a revelation about something before, still ask because there's more to learn. He's eternal. His ways are eternal. So there's something, there's always something additional he wants to teach you. Anytime we get ourselves in a position where we think we know everything, you, you have capped your ability to be a blessing. Okay? Now, I'm going to sound a little bit vata-vata. I call it vata-vata today, okay? And I'll tell you why I'm going to sound a little bit vata-vata. It's because I've been looking at prophetic words all morning, and I am stirred up. I'm stirred up. Look at this picture behind us, okay? This is the year of 5781, and we've got unity happening on all fronts. We've got unity happening in the demonic. If All you got to do is watch our news to know that. They're releasing that fire, and it feels powerful, and it feels impactful, but it's a lie from the pit of hell. And then you've got the unity of the body of Christ standing up saying, wait, 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 no, it is written, it is written, it is written. There is hope. Turn to your neighbor and say, there is hope. Okay, there is hope. I want to encourage you, we did this, there is hope. There is hope. Come on. So for those of you that don't know, I'm just going to do a brief overview of the Jewish holiday. We do this every year, but we don't want anyone feeling like you're swimming, okay? Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. We follow the Jewish calendar because it is a beautiful picture of our salvation in Christ Jesus and the finished work of Christ on our behalf. That is why we look at the feasts. That is why we look at the calendar. It's not about law. It's about the way of the Lord. Okay? He has a way, he has a timing. And there are special blessings and special opportunities and special gifts and empowerment that are available during times and seasons that are more readily available. You can always step outside of time because God is not stuck in time. Amen? You can. You can always step outside of time if the Lord wants to give you something because he's the I am. But there are special times and seasons and feasts where his blessing in a specific area or his grace in a specific area in your life is more prevalent and a little bit easier to grab, okay? So Rosh Hashanah literally means head of the year. We are the head and not the tail. Tell your neighbor you're the head and not the tail. Yes, you are, okay? It celebrates the creation of the world and man and women being made in God's image. Somebody say, you're made in God's image. Say, it looks good on you. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. You were created to change the world. Okay? 
It marks a 10-day period of repentance, including three holidays. Okay? You've got Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And they call it Yom Adonai, the days of awe. So typically what happens is people are very introspective during this time. Father, what are you saying? I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm seeking, I'm listening. Why? Because we're coming through a, a gate of a new year. And we want to make sure that we have cleaned up our mess from the previous year. Amen? Like whoever was talking about coming up higher. You better, you want to take care of business from the last year before you move into that new year. Because if you want to be going from faith to faith and glory to glory, guess what? You're going to go around that same mountain if you don't take care of the misfaiths back here. Okay? And what Holly was saying, that red flag, that blood flag, the blood of Jesus is all it takes. It's a simple conversation with the Lord. Father, forgive me. For I've sinned, Father, I missed you here. Ooh, I really need help in this area. I received my inheritance, the fullness of my inheritance from Christ Jesus to be what? Oh, I don't know. Gracious. More gracious this year, more forgiving. I don't know what that is for you, right? But we got to take care of business. Is there anything you want to tell me, Father? Is there anything you want to deal with in my heart? Midway through, it has the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, and then it culminates with what we call the Feast of Tabernacles. It's seven days of an absolute celebration. Come on, somebody. It's a season of rejoicing. It's often called Chag HaAsif, the festival of the ingathering. Some believe that this is when Christ will actually return for us, when the rapture will happen. It's said to be a time of great harvest. It's said that there's a supernatural grace to on evangelists and on the body of Christ to share the gospel and see people come to salvation. We actually have a testimony about that. We went and did a land assignment with our First Nation friends, Lani that you know, our Cantus. And um, we had an assignment that uh, Cindy Jacobs and Ev Watts called us from D.C. and asked us to go down to the Capitol and do something for them um, earlier this week. So pulled the team together last minute, went down there, obeyed the Lord. We get there, and there's this precious young man playing um, that song, Blink Trump. Blink Trump. Have you heard that? Okay, it's a swear word. Okay. Blink, Trump, bleep, 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 And I'm looking at him, and he's got this purple flag. And he's swinging it around, and he's swinging around. The Lord says, that boy is mine. I was like, all right, sir. Sir, yes, sir. So I'm getting all excited because I know something really good is going to happen. We're about to do this land assignment. The enemy's mad. He got these people blaring the blank Trump music. I'm like, okay, I see you, devil. Here we go, game on. Kind of like you said, you ain't got no power. Right? So I'm just waiting for Daily Show. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because I know he's got all the authority, and the enemy has to come under his feet. So first fruit was this guy, Daniel, comes up and asks for prayer. He was so nervous. Hi, hi, what are you doing? Da, da, da. Asking me all these questions. I start asking questions. So good to see you. So nice to meet you. Blah, 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 blah. Well, you guys are praying. Would you mind praying for me? He would love to pray for you. We prayed over him, activated his destiny, called him into his original design, asked the Lord to bless him. It was beautiful, wasn't it, Laura? Absolutely beautiful. Then we do our assignment. We get over to the place where we're supposed to be doing the last thing, which I will not disclose publicly. Um, we obey the Lord, and this kid walks up, and he says, Hi, can I, can I talk to you about what you're doing? And the Holy Spirit said, This is a distraction, because we were right in the middle of trying to get it finished. And I said, You can in a moment, but you can't right now. I need you to wait. And he was kind of nervous. And I said, I promise, sweetheart, just let me finish this and we'll be able to do it. I said, you're welcome to watch. So they stood there and watched the rest of all the prophetic, weird, crazy, wild, and wily acts that we did. And Denise Cantu said, I was bothered. I was like, oh, my gosh, 
the devil's here. The devil's here. Satan's watching. He's got his little minions watching. And God said to her, you decree and declare things in front of Satan all the time and his demons. What is the problem if these two guys are standing here watching you do this? And she's like, oh, well, that made me feel better. So we get done doing what we're supposed to do. We invite the guy into the middle of the thing. We start praying over him and activating him and obeying the Lord. And he gets led to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he was so touched. Mommy Yvette's leading him through the prayer of salvation. And I can see his legs in the back. They're shaking, like they're shaking. And the Holy Spirit said, tell him, that shaking that's happening is not a bad thing. It's all the old dying and all the new coming to life. Just receive it and rest. It was absolutely beautiful. So today is the last Sunday before 5780 is over. And before we cross over into the new year, 5781, it is so good to review what has happened so that we can be strengthened in faith and move into the next year. I might skip this one. This is kind of review, so I'm just going to do it quick. Are you guys okay with that? If you're okay, just say I'm good. Is that okay if I go quickly through this? Because you're familiar with that. So creation. Rosh Hashanah is about creation. Traditionally, it celebrates the sixth day where male and female were made in the image of God. Okay? He said he created mankind in his own image. In his image, he created them. Somebody say them. Say my husband, my wife, whichever one you got, is made in the image of God. Guess what? That means she carries him. He carries him. So that means we need to listen. Okay? The Torah reading this year for Rosh Hashanah was 1 Samuel 1, 2 through, excuse me, chapter 1 through 2, 10. It's a story of a woman desperate to conceive. And it's interesting, when you read the Torah and they don't skip, they change every year because of the way the um, Gregorian calendar goes. But if you read on the holidays, the reading for the Torah, there's always a significance in it. And this year it's about Hannah. Do you know what Hannah means? Hannah means joy. The name Hannah means joy. It's about joy being neglected by her husband, the one that she was married to, not feeling favored, not having the fullness of what was in her womb come to pass yet, and crying out before the Lord for it, crying over and over. I know who you created me to be. I I know that I'm called to bring forth fruit. I know that I'm called to... Bring birth something beautiful and wondrous. And the the religious folk looked at her and said, are you drunk? Like they didn't understand. She's blubbering and crying. What is wrong with you? Like that is not how we handle ourselves in church. And Hannah says, no, sir, no. I'm crying out to the Lord because I want a child. I want a child. I want to give birth to a son. And the story goes on, and she gives birth to Samuel, and she had promised the Lord that day, when he's born, I will give him back to you, and he will serve you all the days of his life. And he did. She kept her promise. It's a beautiful picture. That's the scripture for next Sunday, for Rosh Hashanah. We talk about... Rosh Hashanah is a picture of really authority, kind of like we talked about earlier, being in that third heaven place, that Isaiah 20, 22, 22, authority. He says that uh, he gave David the keys to the kingdom in Revelation. You're familiar with that, 3, 7? And then we always talk about this every year. It's a confirmation. God gave me the name Shekinah. 
He, he, this used to be called Sanctuary Gate, and he said, I want you to shift the name from Sanctuary Gate to Shekinah because my people no longer are called to dwell in a building. I want to dwell in the building of my people. They themselves are the temple. And I want them to know that wherever they go, I am in them, and they are in me, and they're carrying my glory and my supernatural power and ability everywhere they go. In the Hebrew, that last phonetic component, na, it's used for entreaty, to entreaty someone, or for exhortation. It literally means, we pray now, please. So picture with me this. Shekinah literally refers to the glory of God, right? We pray now, please, let your fullness, let your glory, let your grace come. We pray now, please. We entreat you. Let me look more like you. Amen. I'm not going to go into all this. I do want to say one more thing on that. How many of you saw the Facebook post I did for today? Did The train. Did you know, and I didn't know this until I was looking for an image for today for 5781, that the Pennsylvania train engine was number 5781? Did you know that Philadelphia, the city of love, was the first capital of the United States of America and that it was moved to D.C.? I feel like this is a prophetic sign for our nation. There's been talk about moving the capital back to Philadelphia because D.C. has gotten so corrupt. Philadelphia is where it started, and I almost feel like we're in a full circle moment in our nation. And like God wants to bring things back around, and I'm thinking of Revelation, the, the city of Philadelphia and what the Lord said to them. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. Come on. Worship and praise. Vulnerable transparency and confession. Telling all until it's all told. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Amen. The Lord says, I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. We're going to activate. Ready? Say, no one can shut. The doors in my life that God has opened for me. Amen. And you need to know you can't open doors that God has shut either, okay? We do that sometimes, right? Like we think we're something we're not, and we beat our heads against a door and beat our heads against a door and beat our heads against a door. But I really like the way this looks. That's not who I made you to be. Scooch over to the door I have opened for thee. Amen. He says, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, but though they are not, they are liars. I will make them come and fall at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. And I, I was teasing Holly the other day. She's been doing some beautiful work in my home, and I just want to publicly thank you for the transformation. I feel like it's a prophetic sign, actually, when I went through the prophecies today, that transformation is a prophetic sign of what we're moving into as a church and as I am moving into as an individual with my family. But I teased her. I said, you know, God says it's okay. He says he's going to make those people who lied and pretended to be believers but aren't coming about my feet. And I'm okay with that. I'm waiting for that day. She said, you're what? I said, oh, yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. You're going to admit it. You wouldn't admit it there. And I was humble and I was kind and I was gracious. And I was patient. And I prayed for you and I cried and I wept. But you will admit it here. Because everything in that time has to be in kingdom order. And I'm not going to apologize for it in that hour because the Lord says it's okay. And then I'll help him build and learn how to create, just like whatever he has me doing when we get there. I don't know. We'll see. But I thought, I'm going to enjoy that moment. 
Because it's like a sweet reprieve. It's like a deep breath, like, ha, finally. You know, finally. I'm not crazy. We saw what we saw and we heard what we heard. Amen? It says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, endure patiently. Yeah, come on, right? It's going to be okay. Endure patiently, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, patience will kill you, but that's the point. Amen. Welcome to the welcome to the slain party. <laughs> he said, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. He said, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. We're going to decree this. Say, I have a crown. There's seven of them, and I'm going to get all seven in Jesus' name. Yes, you are. I am. I'm going to get all seven. There's seven crowns we can all get. I'm not going to go into that. There's a whole other teaching. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Say, I want to be a pillar in the temple of my God. Holy Spirit, grace me. Grace me. Listen, you guys, we need more pillars. It just can't be one or two or three or four. If the goal of God to is advance his kingdom, to, for us to go baptize them, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that he told them. To all of the nations, all of the ethnos, all of the different cultures, we need a lot of pillars. A pillar is someone who stands firm, stands strong, doesn't leave, isn't thrown about by every little awkward, uncomfortable thing that happens. Oh, trees bend. Pillars stand. And they stay. And they hold. When it hurts, and they keep holding, and they keep holding, and they keep holding, not by might nor by power, but by spirit, amen? And we've got some amazing pillars, and I'm very excited specifically. I wanted to say to you guys, um, Jackie and Camille, there is something about your generation, and I feel like a royal invitation is going to be coming to, to both of you very soon if you're willing to take it up, that the Lord would actually call you into leadership in this next area because era because we will not move into all the fullness of what God has called us to do without your input. We will actually be out of time, and we will miss the mark to reach your generation, and I want you to pray about that, okay? He said, never again will they leave it. Come on. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. Zion. Yes. The new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's the season we're coming into. Where people are willing to pay the price to be a pillar where they've been equipped by Holy Spirit and been willing to persevere through the process to become a David. They understand how to hold the keys of the kingdom and to stand in that third heaven like we were talking about and say, it is written, it is written, it is written, and sit in that place of victory and then rest until God brings it to pass. Come on. Does that get you excited? That gets me excited. So we are excited about unifying for kingdom advancement in 57 A.D. 1. Come on. That's right. Give God a hand clap. I'm excited. I felt like we needed to review the past couple of years because sometimes you got to know where you've been to know where you're going, right? 
Sometimes you got to celebrate. You ever do that? I'm, I'm kind of a forward thinker, so sometimes I have a hard time looking back and going, oh, good job, Steph. Well, it's like sometimes you need to slow down and celebrate and remind people how, what a great job they did in years past. Okay, so we're going to do that real quick. 5779 was the age of grace. I'm just going to go through the meaning of the numbers here, okay? We are in the century of the age of grace, okay? God's eye is upon us to grace us to see and birth his fullness. That was in 5779, so that would have been three years ago, okay? Three years ago? 81, 89. Two years ago? Okay. The entire year was about pushing through and birthing some things. Amen. Did anybody push? I know. I'm telling you what, you guys can relate because you're doing it in the spirit. I'm just saying, welcome to the club. Welcome to the mama club. Yes, birthing, birthing, the beauties of birthing. We talked about that and we laughed about that. And then we talked about how, does anyone feel like they were going through a narrow place a couple years ago? Yes, Jesus. How many of y'all made it through? Say, praise you, God. Yes, yes, I made it through. I made it through. Great job. Right? We talked about 5779 in the era beyond that we were going through to the gates of glory. How many have seen more glory in the last year or two? Yeah. Big time, lots of visions, lots of healings, lots of shifts, lots, lots. The Lord said that it was going to be a tsunami wave swelling up to advance his kingdom. How many have felt the swell, the increase, the momentum increase in the last couple of years? Something's changing, something's moving. Feels like heaven, feels like heaven on earth. That song even prophesied to it. He said that he was uniting Christians to shift desert regions. That was a word he gave me personally. And that kind of aligned with Coggle, and that's actually coming out again this year. To build kingdom cities through the seven spheres of influence. Amen. God is really about culture change. Kingdom, advancing the kingdom of God is really about changing the culture of a place. That's why he called us apostles. The apostles in the Roman Empire were the ones that went first to go and create a Roman culture. So it felt like Rome when the officials arrived. Our job as apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, is to go and create a kingdom culture in a place so that when God comes, he feels at home. Amen? 5780. Okay, this was last year it would have been, right? This entire decade was about finding out how to roar. How many of you found out you had to speak up a little more than maybe you felt comfortable speaking up? How many of you struggled and thought, oh, dear Jesus, how do I say this in a nice way? <laughs> I want to roar, but that isn't the roar you want coming out of my mouth, <laughs> right? You didn't want to sound like that roaring lion. You wanted to sound like your daddy. And you were kind of, how many of you were kind of grappling with this is what this looks like, right? It's beautiful. It's good. It's fun. But mm, we're figuring this out. Amen? Right? It was the first year of the mouth of pay, the decade of the mouth. Okay, and really eight het, five, seven, eight, oh, that eight is a het. It actually means gate. It's a gateway into using your mouth and your voice for the kingdom. That's really what we did last year. We learned how to begin to awaken our voice and use our voice in a way that advances the kingdom. It doesn't beat people down, right, but it doesn't let stuff slide either. It speaks the truth in love. And it's good, and it was good, good, good for us. It was all about learning how to speak the truth in love, learning when to be still, when to shout, when to be quiet, how to put the enemy in his place in a way that aligns with God's heart for the individual carrying the voice of the enemy. It's good. The goal is redemption and salvation. 
That's God's goal for everyone. We all start out, that's not the right picture, on the side of the dragon. <laughs> we just do. Because we come out of that womb, wah, 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 what about me? Wah, 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 what about me? Eh, the whole world should revolve around me. Right? I want my milk. Somebody change my diaper. My clothes are wet. I'm sweaty. I'm hot. I'm cold. Wah. Now, you know what I'm talking about. All you mamas are laughing. Yeah. I'm not trying to be funny, but it is funny. There's a couple people I almost made up a one-liner, but I'm not going to say it publicly, but I'm thinking about saying it, Lord. A lot of win, win, win going on in the news. A lot of win, win. I'm like, Lord Jesus, they do not know any better. And I just picture that cartoon. Remember the old cartoons where they would rub their eyes and go, and all the water would squirt out like a water fountain? It's like, Lord Jesus, help me. Ooh, sha-da-da-da-da. Grace me to walk in the year of pay in a way that honors you, builds people up. <laughs> we war not against flesh and blood. We war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. Amen. I cut it off in Jesus' name. Everything that's not of him. We war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. And everyone starts on the dragon's team. So we've all been dragging with the dragon, dragging our baggage. Amen? But the more we know who God is, the more we behold his beauty, the more we let go of that stuff, we get our closets cleaned out, we get whole, and we're able to advance the purposes of the kingdom because we're starting to look like our king. It's beautiful. We literally moved in 5780 into a new era. Everything looked different. Sometimes we struggle with change. Turn to your neighbor and say, learn to love it. It is literally your life breath. Loving change is your life breath. Okay? And we like control. We like control. Ooh, we like to be in control. Okay? And I'm talking about to myself. Lord, can't it just be cookie cutter? It would be so much easier if every single thing was cookie cutter. Please, my perfect little sugar cookie with the perfect little rose and the perfect little silver dots. No. We like to be in control. But surrender is your life breath in the kingdom. Okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, you better learn to love surrender. That means letting go. Let it go. And it is glorious. It is glorious when we let go. Absolutely glorious. There was a new level of intercession in the year of pay to change the nations, a new level of grace. The word, some words that um, have the, the letter pay in it are refuge, revolt, rebellion, and I got this from Robert Heidler. Dash, crush, scatter, startled, earthquakes, to shake. It means mouth. There were 107 earthquakes. One of the headlines said last year, a swarm of 1,000 quakes. Full seismic crisis, they said, Robert Heidler said. How many experienced some shakings last year? Mm. Yeah. Well, that means you're part of the family. It means you're a legitimate child. Congratulations. Congratulations. The key in transition into a new area is era, and this was Robert Heidler. I heard it this morning, too, and he was, it was so good. Do not go back. Once you've come through the gate of the new place, do not turn around and go back. And don't apologize for how far you've come. 
You don't owe anybody an apology. I'm not sorry for the weight of the glory that, is, that I carry. I'm, not, I'm sorry if it makes you uncomfortable, and I'm happy to help disciple you and teach you his ways. But I'm not sorry if it makes you uncomfortable because that uncomfortable, that shaking that's happening in you, sometimes when I'm talking, it's the very thing that's going to bring you into more of his glory. It's the very thing that's going to equip you to do and fulfill the destiny on your life. And that's love. Love says, I love you enough to allow you to be uncomfortable, to see you to come into the fullness of who you are and not let you stay stagnant. A good mom or dad always says, baby, come on. I know you don't want to do this, but I want you to go up there and do this. I can remember Cammie. When she was little, she hated going up to the McDonald's counter to ask her ranch or ask for anything. She'd be like, mm, I don't want to go up there and talk. I'm like, listen, Cammie, you're going to have to talk to people your whole life. I know you're uncomfortable. I know you don't want to do this right now, but I need you to go to the counter and ask for it. And she would do it, trembling and shaking and all nervous. She'd go up there and ask for those ranches, and they'd give her plenty and more than plenty and sometimes coupons or ice cream or something else because she was so nervous and she obeyed. But God's going to ask you to do things that feel uncomfortable, but it's him. And you've got to do it. Amen? All right, so that was 5780, and now we've come into 5781. I am so excited about 5781 because this is the year that God made me for. I spent the last 10 years being in process to help love and serve a unity kingdom advancement movement. We're still in the age of grace. Five is hey in the Hebrew. It means the grace of God, the empowerment of God. The ability of God in and through your life. He said, the law came through Moses, but what? Grace and truth. The empowerment, the dunamis and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen. Seven, okay? God's eye is upon us. That's Ayim. God's eye is upon us to grace us to see. Okay? Seven, the picture of the number seven in the Hebrew is an eye. So you've got this, empower, this age of empowerment. You've got this grace of God or the God watching over his people to see what they're going to do because he's not going to do it for us. Have you ever prayed a prayer and the Lord said, honey, I don't know why you're asking me for that. I gave you the authority. Decree it. Call it, call it so. And then we're in this decade of the gate. And we'll talk about this later when we, when we get ready to close out. We're in this whole decade of the gate. And we're going through gate after gate after gate to come into the fullness of the glory of God in this season. Because there's a world that is starving and they are hungry and they are longing to see the fullness of God manifest in the earth. And guess what, you guys? That's going to happen through you and that's going to happen through me. Amen? That gets me excited. Then one, we'll talk about this in a minute. Okay? We'll talk about the one, Aleph, or Aleph, that's how they say it. It means to be unified for kingdom advancement, okay? To unified for kingdom advancement. Now, we taught on this a couple weeks ago. This is so, so important, and it already came up today, so I just want to honor the individuals that brought that up. Well done, you heard well. This is really what we're coming into 
We are coming into the place in the kingdom, into the fullness of his glory, where we are both physically in the first heaven and supernaturally seated in the third heaven with Christ Jesus. And from that place of being in the spirit in the third heaven in the finished work of Christ Jesus, Christ in us and us in him, we are decreeing and declaring the finished work of Jesus and the fullness of the inheritance and cleaning out the second heaven to make a way for his kingdom to come and his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not going to go into what all that means. We talked about that. Go listen to the podcast. I can't remember what we called it. I think we called it ABCs of Prayer. Okay? How do I know if I'm operating in the third heaven? This is how you know. Mm-hmm. Second, Chronicle, Second Corinthians 12.2 says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Heaven is a place where everyone is healed. Jesus is not sick, amen? Heaven is the place where every tear is wiped away. So there's vulnerability there, amen? That means people are crying in heaven. We're not stone-faced, cold, masked up, pretending like we got it all together. Heaven is a place where grace and truth exist, but the price is already paid for every mistake you've already made. Heaven is a place where there's praise 24 hours a day, something to be thankful for, something they're praising God for. Heaven is a place where the fear of the Lord is normative. So if you're feeling afraid or nervous or scared or reacting, you, you got to come up higher. you got to come up higher because there's no fear there. Heaven is a place where glory is readily available and accessible. There's an ease to it. When we're operating out of our identity with Christ and we're seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, there's an ease to it. We don't have to whoop it up. We don't have to do none of that. You use, okay, I'm sorry. It's funny. You've seen it. Please tell me you've seen it. Okay? I've done it. Okay? I'm being honest. I've totally done it because I'm thinking, oh, i got to work my way up there. Oh, Jesus, i just got to get my engine revved up. And I do sometimes, right? Like i got to pray in the spirit sometimes because I have, didn't have a good morning time or I didn't get all my devotions in every seven days of the week. But that's not what gets me there. We're already positioned there because of the finished work in Christ Jesus. It can be a simple exhale. Breathing in the reality that Christ in me is the hope of glory. It is finished, and he is in me, and I am in him. In agreeing with the truth of God's word, this says, I am seated. I'm at a place of rest, and it is finished. And then hearing and listening to what's going on there. Lord, what do you want to do in this? How do you want me to respond? And saying what he says to say and doing what he says to do, it's that simple. Amen. Heaven is a place where Satan has to report to Jesus after going to and fro. God is in charge. Amen? Satan knows his place. Third, heaven is is a place where Satan knows his place. He has to report to the Lord. He has to report to the Lord. He can only do what God says to do. Do you remember the story of Job? He had to ask permission to sift Job. Come on, somebody. I'm just saying. He is not in charge of your life. Once you are in Christ Jesus. Third heaven is the place where Christ's victory reigns. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, this little quote out of there, it says, And God raised us up with Christ Jesus and seated us with him in heavenly realms. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, turn. Turn it up. Say, come up here. Come up here. That's right. 
Okay? So this, we're in this decade of Chet, and we just came out of the year. The mouth, your mouth, and your voice was kind of activated. And Daddy wants you to turn it up. No more tamping your well. No more capping your well. Let it out. Just kind of shake off the things that the, that the religion has told you you can and cannot do. It's okay. Physically, we're doing an activation. Shake it off. Do some kind of shake. I don't care if you just move your fingers. If you want to be free, that's right, John. Good job. Shake it off. Shake it off. Because I'll tell you what, the world needs you fully alive. We need you fully free to be able to be a conduit for Christ Jesus to flow through you any way he wants to. Okay? There's things he wants to do through you. All right. Say a left. Okay, I was so excited. Lord's preaching last week, and I'm like this. <laughs> I'm getting all these downloads and stuff. I'm taking notes on my phone. I was like, oh, I can't wait to talk. <laughs> but you did such a fantastic job. I just wanted to honor you, Laura. Were you guys encouraged by what she shared last week? Can we just give her a hand? Yeah, can we thank God for her? Yeah, so share all good things with your teacher, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of work that goes on to put sermons together. I think until um, you do it, you don't really know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so thank you, Laura. You did a fantastic job. Every Hebrew letter has a meaning, and each, he, each Hebrew letter also has a numeric value and a picture associated with it, okay? They give us a picture of what this year is going to look like. This is 5781. Aleph is the number or the letter, the letter that means one, okay? Its numeric value is one. That's what Aleph is, okay? Laura, this is Laura's slide. I just used it because she put it up um, last week, and I thought just we'll just give honor because she did the research for that. So unity of the heavenly realm to the earthly realm, okay? That was kind of the definition that she looked up. And I did my little bit of research there. This year is all about uniting the earthly and heavenly realms, which we talked about last week, to see for the purpose. What purpose? For what purpose? To see the kingdom of God advance. That's right. One purpose. We only have one purpose. We're created to what? Give him glory. That's why we're here to glorify his name, not to build our kingdom, not to build our name, not to get rich. I mean, God might do that, right? He did it for Solomon. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. As we purify our heart in the kingdom, the Lord can give us more and more and more and more. But we got to purify our heart first. We got to purify our heart first, okay? This year is about being led by the Spirit of God and absolutely obedient to follow his lead. When <laughs> Lyra said during worship, she was talking about the cloud of the cloud by day and the fire, the pillar of fire by night. You were talking about the pillars. And I was like, yes. When I was sitting here last week, I had to laugh. That's what I saw. Look at that. That looks like a pillar of fire. Do you see it? Come on. I sat there in my chair as Laura was talking, and I got excited. In Exodus 13, 21, it says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of a cloud. For what purpose? To guide them on their way as they were journeying to a new place. And by night, a pillar of fire. For what purpose? To give them light. Why? So that they could travel by day or night. It didn't matter if it was a dark night season or it was a daytime season. They were able to see, that is my God, and I'm going this direction. Come on. God is leading. He is guiding. And if you are looking, you will see it. You will see it. Two things are happening right now. This year, those in the kingdom of God are partnering with God to bring heaven to earth. As we closely follow him and the directives that the Lord is giving us through his leading, 
through these desert places. We will lead his people out and help them take the land that he has promised them. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Amen? So God's leading us, and then we're leading others, right? So those are the two things. God is leading us, and then we are actually reaching back into Egypt, the world, the proverbial world, and saying, come and follow me as I follow Christ. Let me help you come into your promised land. Let me help you fulfill your destiny and your original design. Amen? So then continuing on the revelation of Aleph, which is this year's number 5781, okay? That's the Hebrew letter that represents the number one. I thought this was so fun. And this was another thing Laura's preaching last week. I was like, oh, I can't wait to share this, okay? So I just thought this was so cute. Look on the left there, okay? This is Aleph. And, and you've got Yud on the top and Yud on the bottom and a Vav in the middle, so for those of you that don't know, God's covenant name is yud He vav He. It's Yud, which means God, He, grace, Vav, man, He. Come on. Yud, God, Vav, man, Yud, He, Yud, grace, okay? So God, grace, Yud, He, Vav, He, Vav, which is man, He, grace. Look at this picture. It's beautiful. You've got the first, second, and third heaven shown right here. You've got Yud in the third heaven. You've got Yud in the first heaven. And you've got the Vav, us. We are extending into both heavens. We're both in the third heaven, in the third heaven, and we're in the first heaven. We're, we're the connecting piece. We're the conduit through which God moves. And the more that God is in you, the more you behold his glory and allow his glory to shine through and become a conduit for him, the more you're able to say, as it is in heaven. Let it be so here on earth, right? Come on. This lit me up. And then I got really excited when I looked over here at the other side. God is in us here on earth connecting us to God in heaven where we are one with Christ, seated with him at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places and calling heaven down to earth. I love the picture here on the right. Laura last week had mentioned something about rest, and I, of course, had to make it fun. I put a little smiley face on there and some legs, okay? You still see the uh, left in the middle? Can you see it? I think this is a laser. Can you see it right there? Okay. You see the gray little legs? But that's still an left in the middle, right? And I, as she was talking and saying it's a picture of rest, I was laughing because it was like some guy was just laying there and going, dude, my daddy's got this. I don't know why you're coming at me like this, bro. My daddy's got this. He's got my back. What he said is true. He's moving on my behalf. And you'll be wise to move out of his way. Because my daddy's the richest and the biggest and the baddest and the smartest daddy on the block. And you're going to be sorry if you come against me because you're actually going to be coming against him. Amen? You don't want to mess with my papa. Mm -mm, my daddy don't play. He'll tell you once. He'll tell you twice. He'll be nice. Then you buck him again. He'll take care of business. He said, is it a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God? Mm-mm-mm. But it is always also a glorious thing to the fall into the hands of the loving, perfect Father God, creator of heaven and earth. There's no other privilege that we have or opportunity that we have that is greater, more glorious, or more enjoyable. And I've tried a lot of things in the first heaven. <laughs> so if you're thinking of one, just come talk to me afterwards and I'll share my testimony. <laughs> so this A left is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, okay, the very first letter. So it's about first things this year. 
It's about resets. That's why all the words have been coming out about being reset. We're going back to a cyclical cycle. We're beginning again on some things. It's the decade of Chet. It's the decade of Gate. We'll get to that in a minute. The, it literally, according to Chabad.org, which is a Hebrew website, it literally means silent. Isn't that interesting? Master, teacher, and wondrous. And I thought that was interesting that last year was the year of the voice, and this year the idea of unity has this connotation or definition of silence in it. Do you remember when Peter was up on the hill in the Mount Transfiguration and he started blibber-blabbering, thinking he knew what he thought he needed to do? What did the Lord say to him? In one version it says, shut up. Yes, listen to my son. Stop talking. Stop talking. We're in an hour where there's so much going on between the enemy of our souls and the kingdom of God. Sometimes you need to shut up long enough to hear what God is actually saying. Because you're in dangerous ground if you start flapping your jaw. You're on dangerous ground. It takes 10 seconds to get back in order with the Lord. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I back it up. Even with the other person, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have went there. So sorry. Please forgive me, right? But own it and stop it. Because lives are actually hanging in the balance in this hour. Individuals who don't know the Lord and cannot handle your mouth going off. My mouth going off. My gift is in my mouth, and it is not pretty when it goes off. I recently spent... An hour in silence for the sake of someone I loved because I could not get silent in here to hear what I needed to hear. And I know myself. My mouth is a beautiful gift in the hand of God, but it is a reckless tool in the hand of the enemy when I am hurt or angry and I'm not hearing well. And that's the same for all of us. This meaning is very interesting, this, this wondrous meaning. It's the idea of an ability to usher in peace in the Hebrew. When you look up the word wondrous in the Hebrew, it's an ability to usher in peace. And the scripture calls us what? Peacemakers. Sons of God. Peacemakers. I love you, daughter. We're called to be peacemakers. We are not called to be political. We are not called to be Democrats. We are not called to be Republicans. We are not called to be independents. We are not called to be loudmouths. We are called to be sons and daughters of God, and we are called to bring peace everywhere we go. And that doesn't mean that we get into logos, fights about logizumai. We're not going to get into logical arguments about trifling little things that don't matter. We go after men and women's hearts and say, tell me why you asked that question. What's going on? Tell me more about that. Because the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter what the issue is. God actually wants to get to the heart of the matter because he's trying to capture the the, the heart and the mind and the soul and heal the person and make sure that their spirit is whole. Does that make sense? So it means since Aleph is the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet, Alphabet, it therefore symbolizes oneness and unity. Somebody say unity. Say, you're my brother or sister, whoever you're looking at. That's right. And we are one body. It's all right that we look different. 
It's all right that we talk different. We are still one. And say this with me. Say there's one head, and it ain't you. And it ain't me. So quit looking at me like I'm God. That's right. Jesus is the head of his body. Amen? So that's why we always say we know in part and prophesy in part. That's why we open with the mic and we want to hear from everybody. What are you hearing during service? That's why Lori plays her flute from out in the audience. That's why we have individuals from other churches coming in all the time. We are one body, but we only know in part and prophesy in part. And when we get the whole, which is why I compile all the prophetic words from this last two months every year, I want to get a picture of the whole, and Father God wants us to see the whole. Okay? If we want the full counsel of God, the spirit of counsel is one of the seven spirits of God. If we want to see the full counsel of God, that means we need to look at all of the voices. Okay? We are also seeing unity on the side of the enemy. Amen? So while we're uniting in the body of Christ, the enemy and the dragon is uniting as well. Right, so you're going to see some clashing. How many of y'all been seeing some clashing? Yeah, that's okay. That's not a bad thing. You just need to know which side you're on, okay? Are you bringing biblical, edifying truth? Or are you tearing down and accusing and hurting people? Okay, there's a real easy litmus test there. We have to choose a side. So enjoy your rest this year, that little guy. Just enjoy your rest. And when the enemy messes with you, just lay back in that Holy Spirit supernatural recliner. You point up and just say, oh, did you forget that my daddy's on the throne? (laughs) Okay. Yes. Hey, man. I did the best I could with that PowerPoint. All right, so we're going to move into the time of all the different prophecies, okay? And I want to give honor where honor is due. So I kind of combined these. I didn't separate them out and put their name next to each line. I'm just letting you know in general. These are bullet points that came from these prophets in the nation. So these particular bullet points came from both James Gall, Cindy, and Mike Jacobs, okay? Cindy and Mike are married, for those of you that don't know, and are over um, Generals International. That's where I went two years ago, I think a year or two ago, in D.C. Um, She has a network of land warriors that gathers and does assignments like we do all over. So the Lord is telling them, I'm just going to wait. If we have questions, I'm just going to ask you to hold them till after. We can explain that later, okay? Just for the sake of unity. Their word was, it's time to repair what is corrupt in the nations. And this is really important, you guys. Several of the ladies in the room went to Israel with us, okay? They carry a lot of grace, a lot of glory, It is time to repair what is corrupt in the nations. And this is interesting. When I read this, I was like, okay, Father, what are you talking about? He said nations, the word for nations is ethnos. He's purifying our cultures and our family lineage. What is it in your family, in your personal practice, in your life that is contrary to the kingdom? And by kingdom, I mean the biblical definition, righteousness, peace, and joy. The Lord is amending and repairing institutions. He's repairing us personally. He's repairing the seven spheres, including government, education, arts, media, etc. And he's aligning them with kingdom culture so that, so much so, 
a sustainable kingdom culture, I'll say, so that we can see heaven come on earth, right? So he's sending these fivefold minister teams, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher, or even twos and threes, groups of twos and threes out to begin to create kingdom culture in their places of work, in their neighborhoods, in their families, in the sphere of the arts, in the sphere of education, in the sphere of the government. Why? Because we have to be ruling and reigning. We have to be holding the line of righteousness. We have to. Perspectives are being shifted to kingdom perspectives. Culture that doesn't align with the kingdom of God must bend to embrace the kingdom of God because greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. Amen? It must shift. So what Donna was prophesying earlier about the shifts that was right on, the, the enemy's culture must always shift because the word of God never returns void. It always accomplishes the purpose which is sent. So once the Lord gives you a rhema word, he gives you something to say, everything in the way of it must shift or it can leave. There's two choices. You'll see two things happen. Sometimes it will shift and stay, and if it doesn't, it will die, literally die, like Ananias and Sapphira, or it will leave and go to another place. That's why so often when we transition into new eras and into new years, you see church splits happen or individuals take off and not stay with. It's because they're just still cleaning up business from that last year. They're not ready to shift, so they have to go if they're going to feel safe and comfortable and encouraged about where they're at. Amen? All right, so Galatians, we are one in Christ was the word. We will still, no, it means that's not correct. <laughs> we will see his full manifestation arise in this hour. That was the word. We will see his full manifestation rise in the hour as we are each functioning as one in Christ. So that particular verse is beautiful if you're not familiar with it. It says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So we're going to see the ethnos come together in a way that's one. We're going to see male and female serving alongside one another in a way that's one. We're going to see nations of people coming alongside each other and serving in a way that they are one for his kingdom and for his glory. This is beyond souls. Colossians 3, 10 through 14, they gave that verse and they said, over all these things put on love. And I thought that was so good. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and with humility, with gentleness and with patience, and bear with each other and forgive one another if you have any grievances against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So what binds it together, guys? Love does. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So if we're struggling with unity in any way, shape, or form, we're really just struggling with love, okay? And the only time we struggle with love is when we haven't ourselves received the love of God for us. Okay? So the remedy for that is simply to get into his presence and let daddy love you right where you're at. Okay? The scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself. You will love your neighbor as yourself. That's, your, that's a law. It's a spiritual law. In other words, you cannot love anyone else more than you have allowed God to love you. So the level of love you manifest is actually a mirror image of the amount or the measure to which you have allowed God to love you. 
And just if, if that's hitting you, just say, it's okay. It's okay. I'm on my way. Yes, you are. It's okay, honey. It's okay to be on our way. It really is. Just keep being on your way. Dutch Sheets is the next individual who shared, and I kind of did his separate just because his was so interesting. <laughs> and he said he was a little taken back when the Lord gave him this word, um, but then he later learned it was a literal legal term that's used in the courts, okay? And he was at the White House um, in D.C. and standing on the Supreme Court justice steps when the Lord gave this. So the word he got was damn the torpedoes. And they're like, well, that doesn't sound very nice, <laughs> right? Like, what do you say to that? So they're praying and asking Father God, what does that mean? I don't understand. Damn is a legal term. According to Mark 16, 16, it says, he that believeth not shall be damned. It is literally a legal term that's used in a court, meaning to judge, to condemn, and to sentence. Dutch said they got a word that God wants to damn the demonic hidden torpedoes that the enemy has been trying to launch against his faithful ones to stop the kingdom of God from being advanced in this hour. Come on. And when I saw that house earlier today blow up, I knew that there was a hidden tornado, torpedo in this place. And that's what I was hearing, but I couldn't give away the whole sermon, so I didn't. But I was hearing that, damn the torpedoes, those things that the demonic systems have hidden in places trying to obliterate what it is that God wants to do in you and through you. And it's okay to say that. It's a legal term. So if you're willing to be activated in that and the spirit of religion isn't pressing in on you too bad, I'm going to ask you to say it with me. Say, in Jesus' name, I legally damn the torpedoes that Satan is sending against my life, my destiny, my call, and my spheres of influence. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Every sphere of influence that you touch now is preserved. And Father, we loose the angels right now to activate those torpedoes to blow up in the enemy's camp, that his own camp might be destroyed, and that those camps would now become the kingdoms and the camps of heaven in Jesus' name. That in their place there would be holy angels in 24-7 worship, that they would become sanctuaries, holy land, holy ground in Jesus' name. Dutch went on to say, storm the beaches. Get out and be the church in every sphere and bring the kingdom everywhere you go. If you're familiar with the story of Normandy, that's where that term comes from. He said, more now than ever, we can clearly see the unrighteous, unbiblical, and unconstitutional decisions reversed in this hour and in our nation if we will storm the beaches. So it's not going to happen by staying in our prayer closets. It's not going to happen by staying quiet. We need to get out and go and do something. We never would have gotten to meet Jeff, and he never would have gotten saved if we hadn't gone out and done our land assignment that day. He actually said to us, and I quote, thank you so much for coming out here to do what you're doing so I can meet you. We've got to get out of the four walls of the building. And I'm just going to say this. A large percentage of the evangelical church did not vote. In the last election, they did not vote. And we have to vote biblical values. We have to. It is not about the personality of the individual. It is not about our preferences. It is about the kingdom of God. It is about the cleansing of the land and the preservation of life. 
in the advancement of his heart. And we have to trust that just like the kings of Israel, as imperfect and messy and annoying as they were, God is going to use them. The Israelites were always accountable for the kings that they worshipped, for the kings that they put in positions. And I just decree and declare right now in Jesus' name that the church in this hour will be accountable for who they put in position. Shortly after midnight on June 6th, the operation on D-Day, Operation Overlord commenced with more than 13,000 British and American paratroopers dropping into Normandy behind Germany lines to, un to undercover of darkness. And if the Germans had any doubts that day that the invasion were coming, they were certainly gone now. That's how we won the war, folks. It was led by Dwight Eisenhower, General Dwight Eisenhower. We partnered with Britain. We couldn't have done it by ourselves by any means. But there was a tyrant on the loose. People were being murdered by the thousands every day, put in gas chambers. Their wealth was being stolen. Entire legacies being cut off. Entire generations being murdered. Mass murdered. Mass experiments happening. One of the greatest travesties in the history of the world. In a nervous, quiet church stood by and didn't do anything for a minute. And they bought into the mantra and they bought into propaganda and they bought into the lies and they stood by silent. And then finally someone said, no, 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 no. Thank God for Churchill. Thank God for Churchill. Thank God for Churchill and Eisenhower. Not on my watch. Sometimes we have to be willing to take a stand for the sake of the nations. He goes on to say, get ready to experience the greatest breakthroughs ever. Or, if we do not stand, one of the greatest defeats that we will never return from. And we will be held accountable before the Lord for how we stewarded this nation as a voting citizen. The war for America's spiritual health has reached a Normandy moment, he said, and it is time to storm the beaches. If you are willing to storm and to do your part, say, Lord, I am willing to storm, but I need more grace. I need more courage. Send me in your power. And in your might, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're just going to keep doing that. We're going to keep activating. Okay, so I'm doing, you'll notice a pattern here. I'm doing all kind of the judgment negative stuff first. Okay, we're going to end on a happy note today. <laughs> Whenever you look at all of the prophetic words that are out there, you're going to see a full gamut of everything of doom and gloom to glory and grace, okay? And we're going to start with the doom and gloom. We're going to move our way into the glory and grace so that you walk out happy, okay? Chuck Pierce also had a word that was kind of a judgment word. He said, the dismantling started in March. How many of you saw some things dismantled in March? <laughs> yes, I did. But God is rebuilding what he dismantled. Amen. God is rebuilding what he dismantled. That lit me up this morning. And it will carry more glory than you ever thought possible. 
In Jeremiah 1.10 was the verse that they gave for the dismantling. He said, see, I appoint you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he means you. Over nations and kingdoms. To uproot and tear down. To destroy and to overthrow. And to build and to plant. Okay, so you've got uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow. There's four things that are taking care of business and, and judgment type things where we got to go out and break it down, dismantle, 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 clean it up. And then there it says to build and to plant. Then there's two, we got to come in. You cannot leave it empty. If you leave it empty, the dragon will come right back in and put something else there. You better build and plant something in its place. Right? Vata, vata. That's right. Vata, vata. Amen. Okay, so don't leave it null and void. Don't just leave the land empty and vacant. Decree a thing in its place. If you tear something down, you bind some stronghold, you better loose the opposite kingdom thing in its place. If you bind hatred, you better loose love. You bind fear, you better loose love. You bind whatever, you better loose peace, shalom, wholeness, prosperity. You're binding poverty mentality, you better loose some wealth in there. Okay, you tracking with me? We got we to gotta put back and plant into the atmosphere the word of the Lord that is kingdom so that we can see a harvest on it. Amen? All right, so he said, find shelter in the Lord. And you read, Lyra, another one. You, I was like, oh, Jesus, you're so good. I was like, come on, preach that, girl. You were hearing. You were on point today. Psalm 91, you, she already read the whole thing, so I'm not going to do it. He said, hide out in his fullness. Read that psalm over and over and over again, no matter what the circumstances that comes against you. Just like Brother Lonnie said, it has no power. It has no power. The one with all the power, the one with all the cards, the one with all the authority lives on the very inside of you. You need only to get a simple directive and say what he says to say or do what he shows you to do. It's that simple, folks, and you have got the victory. Come on, somebody. Mm, mm, mm. He said, Chuck said, watch for the changing of the guards. Promotions are coming, but character will qualify you. And Lore actually thought of your ordination. And all the him and hawing and conversations we've been having. Am I ready? Am I ready? Am I ready? And you've been doing so much introspecting. I'm like, Lord Jesus, how many more things can we look at? But you've been so pure in your desire to make sure you're coming up in character. And I just want to say over the last three years, I have seen the love of God grow in you, and I have seen the purity of God and a desire, a pure-hearted desire for you to come into the fullness of him in a way that I'd never seen the last 10 years. And you will walk in all of the fullness of everything he desires to give you, sister, because you long for it, and he is a good God. He's a good father, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I just want to honor you publicly because you take a lot of hits, baby. You take a lot of hits. I love you. Yeah, if you want to receive that, just receive the backsplash. Whatever. Thank you. I receive it. Amen. I receive it from me. Amen. That's all right. Anything that's said today to anybody, you just receive it by faith. Yes. Shelter means to protect yourself from bad weather or attack. Come on, somebody. We talked about the dragon is raging, right, with words and can only be defeated, he said, by roaring back at him. So do not be silent. The fire of God defeats the fire of the dragon every time. Because he's got a false fire. And we've got the all-consuming fire. Amen? It always wins. And because it, it's not an it, it's a who. I'm just saying. Jesus. 
As you see the accuser getting stronger, he said, between now and February, shelter and hide yourself in the Lord and decree the word of God and the truth from that abiding place because it's going to get worse before it gets better. But you better make sure you're decreeing and declaring the word of God because everything else is witchcraft. You're not decreeing your desires. You're not decreeing your preferences. You're not decreeing what you want or what you think or your opinions. You're decreeing the word of God. Amen? He says, your work is to abide in Christ. Like Holly was wearing the flag. Everything was so beautifully prophetic today. You're wearing that flag, abiding the finished work. I'm forgiven and I'm coming up higher. I'm forgiven and I'm coming up higher. I'm forgiven and I'm coming up higher. Okay? It's okay to be where you're at. You just keep coming back to that finished work. Amen? Yes, he loves you so much. Okay. So now we start getting into the how words. I call these the how words. All right, Lord, well, how do we do this? How do we come into this? How do we avoid the judgment? How do we avoid the bad things? How do we walk in this year in a way that's going to bring you joy? And Johnny Enslow is one of my favorites. He said, advance. And if you want to advance, abiding is the key. Abiding is the key. And we're just going to activate this. Say, Holy Spirit, teach me how to advance. Grace me this year to abide. Teach me how to make it a daily abiding lifestyle. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all are going to walk out of here so full, you're going to be like after a Thanksgiving dinner, you're not going to be able to stay awake. You're going to be sleeping, taking a nap in your chair. You know what I mean? After you eat all that turkey, you're like, I just got to lay down. I'm so full. Well, I'm starting to feel it up here. So Johnny Enslow said, mobilize, move, march, meet, mix, meld, maximize my kingdom. Come on, somebody. I don't know which one of those is for you. Some of you need to get moving because you haven't gotten out of your chair. He's saying, get up. Some of you need to move forward because you're staying stuck in the same place. Move forward. Some of you need to march because you're doing your own thing and you're not in order. Get in order. Some of you need to mix it up, right? You've been doing it the same way over and over and over again for years and years because this is the way we go to church, go to church, go to church. Daddy's saying, mix it up, baby. Mix it up. I want to do something new in your life, and it's going to be fun and exciting, and you're going to love it. Some of you need to meld, right? You only hang out with people that look like you, talk like you, think like you, smell like you, right? But he wants you to mix it up. Get with some of us stanky, weird ones, you know? Have a good time once in a while, Right? To some were the smell of life and to others were the smell of death. Amen. Johnny goes on and he said, the Lord said, weaponize who I am in you by allowing me to stir up radical love in you. Love is a weapon. Patricia King does a beautiful teaching on this called the love war. She says, love is the weapon. It is the weapon. Love is, a, love is God. God is love. Love is the ultimate weapon. It is the person who always defeats everything. It's the only thing that the scripture tells us never fails. And love is a who. Holy Spirit. We're going to activate that. You ready? Holy Spirit, I give you permission to weaponize who you are in me and to stir up a radical love in me. Yeah. That's glory. 
life is glory on that. Johnny goes on to say, we say enough to death and destruction. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Come on, somebody. Mm-hmm. No more waiting around to see what cowardly, awful thing the enemy has planned. We say enough. The Lord says, you will do your part. And he says, oh, and I will do mine. I will do mine. He says, I'm teaching and training you to become deliverers and reformers. And I loved this piece. To deliver means to give birth to something, right? So he's teaching you how to birth things over and over and over again. Do you ever met a mom that's had like 13 kids and wondered, oh, Jesus, I have no idea how she did that. Have you ever met anybody like that? I know people, yeah. And I'm like in absolute awe. If we weren't supposed to worship people, I might. I might be like, huh. I don't know how you do it. 13 kids later, boom, 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 boom. They're all fed. They're all clean. They're all doing their chores, right? Beautiful. And she's still popping them out and walking around like nothing's wrong, nursing one, feeding the others. He's going to teach you how to burst some things. And I just hear how to not be high strung, how to relax, how to go with the flow, how to enjoy it, how to enjoy it, right? You ever seen a mama with 13 babies? She is not worried about the milk being spilled on the table. She knows it's going to get cleaned up. She just talks to one of the kids, hey, darling, I need you to go, da, 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 da. No big deal. I'm not freaking out, right? The other baby's over here nursing. She's got her all tied up. She's not worried about that baby, right? She's cooking the meal on the stove. The other kids are outside rumbling and fighting and wrestling. She's like, oh, they'll, they'll survive. <laughs> After kid three, you don't panic anymore. You go, oh, they're going to be just fine. I'll go check on them in a minute. Unless I hear that one of the death-curdling screams, this is going to be good for their character, right? You're going to learn to burst some things. Then you're going to be a reformer. This is the action or the process of reforming an institution or practice. It actually means to create or shift culture that aligns with the kingdom. I love what he says here. This is so beautiful. He says, you will roar this year and this decade. Use your mouth. Say what God says. This year, there's no more fear, no more dread, no more waiting for the other shoe to drop, no more passivity, no more false meekness, no more capping your well, no more tap dancing with evil government or calling something honor that is not. The Lord says, enough. Stop capitulating. Stop playing games. Stop poo-pooing around. That's my addition there, the poo-poo. He says, the mop-up angels are being released or loosed. Come on, somebody. In other words, you're going to win this war. You're going to be victorious, and all he's going to have to do is send in his mop-up angels to clean up the mess. That's right. Shalom, shalom. He said, I will do it, but I respond to your courage and your willing to remain in your position on the battlefield to remain in your position on the battlefield. You, our job is just to stay, to stand. Having done everything to stand, stand still and see the deliverance of the Lord. He says, he goes on to say, you will roar, you will rise, and you will be the storm of storms defeating the enemy. You will be active in your prayer life, your praise life, in society and everywhere the sole of your foot steps. When Goliath is breathing down your neck and Jezebel is on the prowl, it is not the time to embrace mildness. 
These are enemies and they must be beheaded. And I want to say this again. We war not against flesh and blood. Amen? That's right. We war not against flesh and blood. But these enemies are to be beheaded. These are foes you must rise in courage and come against, quite frankly. Okay? Now, Johnny had so many good words in his, I shared a few more. Okay? This was probably one of my favorite ones. Because how is important, if we know what, if we know what is coming, but we don't know how to walk in the victory of it, it's not helpful, okay? That's why I really liked this one. All right, so Johnny Enslow's advance, abiding is the key, part two. He said, I am removing long-standing darkness. Come on, somebody, amen. So those things in our ethnos, in our nation of people, in our lineage, in our DNA that are dark, that are repetitive, that are not of God, that are patterns, he's saying, I'm removing those things. I'm going to do a clean sweep. When he was talking about the mop-up angels, I heard a clean sweep. I'm going to take care of business. Pay attention to the opposition and the accusers, but you keep on building. You keep on building. There's a special building anointing on his sons and daughters of God to build his kingdom this year. For those of you who don't know, we're building SSI, Shaking International Institute. It has been a joy. It has been an absolute joy. But when Nehemiah arrived in the city, the city was in ruins. I love what Rick Joyner says. He says, any donkey can kick down a building, but it takes a carpenter to build one. Okay. Nehemiah was able to look at the scorched stones and the broken down walls and say, I see hope, I see glory, I see potential. We're going to make something out of this. We are going to make something out of this because God is good and he is willing and he is well able. And there may be some places in your life where there's some broken down walls and there's some scorched stones sitting around here going, Lord, seriously, this is us, me and my motley crew in the cave, right? This is what you got me rolling with? And Daddy's saying, yes, this is us. Look again. Daughter of God, look again, son of God. You've got everything in your midst that you need to build what I told you to build. And there is glory there within. Absolute glory. And it's interesting because that temple, Nehemiah's temple, Nehemiah's wall, couldn't be built with hewn stones. They were scorched stones. Individuals who've been through the fire. Amen? Amen. And that's a word for this next season. If you want to be a part, do your part on the wall, you got to be willing to go through the process of the fire and be purified. you got to be willing to be purified. Now, as we cling to Jesus through that purifying process, the Scripture tells us Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out not even smelling like smoke. So we don't have to be scorched. But it often does happen right? You go through that process and you get scorched and you go, ooh, you got to go back to the, back to the cross. You got to go back to the Lord. Ooh, I need to wrap myself in the blood again. And then you get all cleaned up. Okay? And that's okay. That's just part of the process. The more progress Nehemiah gained, the more opposition came to discourage. And Laura, I just felt like that was a word for Shekinah in the past six years, actually. Okay, Robert Heidler on GZI shared his testimony and what that church went through. And it's so paralleled what we went through here um, at Shakin International. You know, the church split and everything. Right down, I was like, wow, okay, so this is actually not a bad thing. It means we've obeyed the Lord, you know, and that spirit of religion. 
that just had to shift, and that's okay. We can still love and honor and encourage individuals, but if we want to move forward, we have to put the scripture in action, which means some people aren't ready to go there, and that's all right. That's all right, right? What we are building is for his kingdom, and his kingdom is righteousness. It is peace, and it is joy. It is unity. It displays patience and gentleness. It displays self-control and order. It displays wisdom and understanding. It displays absolute surrender to the Lord and mutual submission and honor to one another, not flattery. Big difference. Big difference. We need to watch for those things and operate in those things and flow in those things, and we can never outgive God. No matter how generous we are with our time, treasure, and talent, we can never outgive God. He will always give us more money. He will always multiply our time. And he will always increase his gifts in us. He's so, 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 so good. And every time he does it, we, we behold him and we become more like him. And then we want to give more. And it's like you want to outgive him. It's like that love in you, him in you. You want to outgive him, but you never can because then he just gives you more of himself. And then you long more and more and more for him. It's a beautiful cycle of love become You know, experience his love, become like him, behold his glory, you're changed, transformed, you want to give more. And it just goes over and over and over and over and over again. Can anybody relate? Isn't that awesome? We are so privileged, privileged, privileged children. So this is another how individual, okay? Candace Smithman. She said it's a time of rebuilding and promotions. It's sort of aligned with Johnny Enslow, so I'm not going to do a lot on this one. She wanted the body of Christ, to know that you were promoted in August. Okay? One of the things she said, if you're wondering why the warfare has been so bad, it's because you were promoted in August. Something shifted in your life in August, and the warfare has been bad because you were promoted. So congratulations, self. Thank you. Congratulations. I was promoted. You can say that over yourself. Say, I was promoted. Yeah. And every time we're promoted, we just get a new bullseye on our back. That's all. And that's all right. That means you did a good job. That means you're actually threatening the enemy, and you're taking his land, and he's agitated, so he's going to send stuff at you. But well done. I just hear, well done, well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. i, I got to say that again, Daddy says. Well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. One more time, he said. Okay, Lord. Well done. Well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Father God is so proud of you. Somebody needs to hear that today. He is so, so proud of you. You passed a test, and you did well. You made him look good. You forgave. You were patient. You loved. You didn't leave. You stayed in it, and great will be your reward. I hear great, great, great will be your reward. And that verse that says, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's not all going to be when we get to heaven. You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That is your inheritance in Christ Jesus. I'm just thinking of that verse. That saying Joyce Meyer says, new level, new devil. With every opportunity comes opposition. Okay? She goes on to say that the greatest glory came right after the temple was built, after it was completed. God is rebuilding you. You are the temple of the Lord. 
you are called to be a carrier of his glory. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. And I felt like that was just a really strong, urgent message. Like, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Almost like we're standing in heaven and the angel Gabriel, I don't know if you've heard about Gabriel or Michael, but I know for sure Michael, Bob Evans, Bob Evans, Bob Jones, Bob Evans sounds really good. Obviously, I'm hungry. Bob Jones tells a story. Oh, Father, I know you're watching, Bob. You, yeah, you got a good sense of humor, so just forgive me, okay? I love you. So Bob Jones has a story about Michael, and he says, he's telling this, there's this testimony about him, and he says that um, Michael the archangel's grumpy. Well, did he look mad? He said, Chris Felton says, yeah, he looked mad. But was he wearing wrestling pants? <laughs> yeah, he was wearing wrestling pants. Did he look like an Indian? Yeah, he looked like an Indian. Well, that's Michael, Dan. <laughs> that's Michael, the archangel Michael. And as I was saying, as I was reading this, your life is not your own. It's like I could picture Michael and Gabriel standing there, being able to see the end from the beginning, and with a resolute look on their face, saying to us, your life is not your own. They were there in the beginning of time when Lucifer was cast out of heaven, the most glorious being. Imagine the revelation that they have, the perspective. You wonder why Michael's mad. He's been fighting that guy for a long time. Single act of pride. Single act of disobedience. When I said that today, it was like I could see him standing there like we were all in a line and there's an urgency in their voice and they're saying, your life is not your own. And going back to that reality that lives are at stake. This is not about us. God is rebuilding you. Your body is his temple. The personal rebuilding must occur first. You have to allow God to do in you what you want him to do through you. If you are doing or thinking God is moving through you in glorious ways, but you're not allowing him to move in you in a glorious way, I want to tell you, it's not glorious. You're deceived. And I'm not trying to be mean. I care enough about you to tell you the truth. Because it will always come out tainted because you're the filter through which it comes. Okay? So picture with me, how can we do this, Daddy? Picture with me a telescope. Okay? And your eye is looking through the telescope, and the one's lens on the front end is perfectly clear and gorgeous. It's a diamond. Absolutely gorgeous. There is not a single flaw in it. It is clean. There's not a smudge on it. There's not a speck of dust because it is Christ. And on the other end is me or you. To the measure that I'm clean and not all dirty and smudged up and messed up on this end is the measure that I'll be able to see what he wants me to see well and to see it clearly and to see it accurately. To the measure that I have not allowed him to clean up my mess is the measure of distortion with which I will see everything and everyone around me. And just like a telescope, it's the same way around. So picture, what's another one, Daddy? Picture a hose or a pipe, a copper pipe. You ever had copper pipes in your home where they get clogged up with gunk in them, right? And hardly any of the water can get through. 
because the copper, what do you call it, corrodes, and it can't come through anymore. Hardly any water is getting through. The same principle. We're conduits of God. We are the literal temples here on earth that he flows through. And to the measure we allow him to clean the junk out of the inside of us and to purify us, just like I was honoring Laura for doing these last several years, is the measure of his glory and his goodness and his Holy Spirit that will be able to flow through you. So if you're looking around at other people and being like, oh, my gosh, they have a fire hose. It's so cool when they do this or they do that. And they're like, ha, right? Like the fire hydrant with the water off and it's shooting out really awesome and powerful. That happens because they spent time in the presence of the Lord to get all that gunk out of the way so he can come out like a fire hose. And you can have the same thing because God's no respecter of persons. You just got to be willing to spend that time with him one-on-one and let him get the gunk out. Let him heal you. Be transparent. Be honest. Take off the mask. Do the vulnerability thing. Amen? So the personal rebuilding in us must occur first. Okay. This is so good. We want you to do what God has called you to do. The question God is asking you right now is, will you let him rebuild you? And he's saying, don't resist. Embrace the change. Embrace the challenge. And absolutely surrender to him because now is the time. Now is the time. This was in an earlier word as well, which, or maybe a later one, which we'll get to. But someone said, one of the prophets said, I feel like there's a window on this. Not now or never, but now or not for a while. I'm going to do this activation if you want to pray it with me. Father God, I agree that I was promoted. Grace me to go through this last week of prayer and fasting, communion and repentance before the new year. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help me hear, study, see, know, own, and repent of anything that you want me to change. And that I will receive the fullness of my inheritance in Christ Jesus. Say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission today and every day to change me and to set your kingdom order in me and get me fully prepared for my destiny so I can receive all the fullness of your glory each new year. Amen. Amen. At the end of every new year, there's a process that we have to go through to just make sure there's no residue, there's no stuff. Let's take care of business, okay, so we can receive that glory. And in our Feast of Tabernacles, we're doing that seven-day celebration. You'll be all filled up with joy, waving your flags around, hooping and hollering, shooting out like a little fire hose, okay? We're wanting to be hearing from you. Amen? All right, this was the word from Ryan Johnson, and it was so good. And he said, be carriers of his oil. Be carriers of his oil. He told the story about the ten virgins. There were five foolish virgins and there were five wise virgins. Are you starting to see a pattern? 
This is all about process. All these how prophecies are all about process, about staying in the process, about not quitting. The five foolish versions knew where to get the oil for themselves because they were told by the wise versions to go buy some for themselves. They didn't have to tell them where to go buy it, but they knew where to go buy it because the wise versions didn't have to, they'd already told them, go get some oil. He goes on to say, some refused to pay the price, and it says they were left behind, and the door was closed. And that goes back to what we were talking about before. I don't know about you, but say, Daddy, I don't want to be left behind. Fill up my oil. Fill up my lamp in Jesus' name. Reschedule my schedule so I can be full of you. Come on. Sometimes in seasons where you need, you have a lot going on, you got to prune some things so you can make sure your lamp is full. Okay? It says the door was closed and they were not able to enter in. And the specific word he gave, he said, the Lord said to me, prepare, prepare the people. I am looking for those who will be carriers of oil. Tell my people to be carriers of oil. And this reminds me of a word that Dutch Sheets gave back in um, February 22nd of what year would that have been, you guys? 2019? Okay, where he said the 10,000-year-old oil is being relaxed. 2018. Thank you, Lord. I love that you know dates so well. Lord, I just thank you for her gift in her house because I don't know, ever remember the date. <laughs> so, Lord, it's such a blessing. 2018, Dutch Sheets gave a word in D.C. when we were there uniting to prophesy over the Supreme Court about the 10,000-year-old oil being released. Now, the Lord had me look that up. That was the day the Lord gave me a company of angels. I saw all these angels swirling around the throne of God and this huge throne coming down into the room where we were. I said, Lord, what is that? He said, that's, that's my angels. I said, well, can I have some? He said, yes. I said, well, how many? He said, how many do you want? I said, well, a whole company. I said, can my friends have some? He said, yes, anybody that wants them can have them. They're here to serve you. They're ministering servants sent for us so that we can accomplish the things God's called us to accomplish. So if you want some, ask them. Say, Lord, I want a company of angels. Fill my mouth with your words and hasten them to perform it. In Jesus' name, amen. And you watch things around you shift now when you pray. It makes a huge difference. But Dutch talked about this 10,000-year-old oil. And when I did the research on it, it was interesting because um, 10,000 years ago, on that specific date, there was a false interfaith unity movement that started. And Daddy started to talk to me about this time, 5781, the true unity movement of his body coming forth, where we're operating as one new man who has one faith, one baptism, and one Lord who is over all, in all, through all, and to whom all things return. Amen. You checking with me? Book of John, chapter 1. He said, It's time for my people, to advance as one man. And I hear, I am the man. Will you align with me? Will you align with me? Not me, him. He's saying that. Jesus is saying that. He's the great apostle. He's the head of his church. Will you align with me? We are living in the greatest time in the history of the world. 
darkness is raging and ravaging again, just like it was in the books of Acts. And the church of Christ is coming into the fullness of our place of glory. And we have been called and given opportunities to be the very voice of God in the midst and to be the ones through whom he chooses to display his glory. What an honor. It's like, again, these are the days where the Moseses and the Joshuas and the Calebs are going to arise, the Deborahs and the Junias. Those types of testimonies, the Peters, the Jameses, the John the Baptists, and you and me and the person next to you and the person on the other side of you. We can have those same stories, and these things are being written down in heaven, it says, about us. Think about the, the stands you've had to take this last year where you just had to stand in faith and you knew. The great cloud of witnesses watched and recorded it all. Come on. I get excited about that. Yes, come on, that's right. Prepare, 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 my people. I'm looking for those who will be carriers of oil. Tell them to be carriers of oil. Daddy says be carriers of oil. Take your lamp, make sure it's full, okay? Yeah. It says, we have to be careful. We do not want to delay our destiny. The foolish versions did not want to do the internal work that we were just talking about, to endure the process of being rebuilt personally. It's scary. Do you remember when you first started getting rebuilt personally? It can be a little scary to face some of your mess, right? What are people going to think? I don't really want to say this out loud. I don't dare write this down. God forbid if anybody knew this about me, they wouldn't love me anymore. Right? But he says, walk in the light as he is in the light, and you will have fellowship with one another. Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed, right? The more we walk in the light as he's in the light, the more transparent we are, the more we're abiding in him and his goodness and grace and finished work on our behalf, the less we have to put on a mask and say, this is the way I go to church. Because we realize I'm actually just a hot, hot mess. And the closer I get to Jesus, the more I realize how very much I need him every day. And I thought it was pretty cool when I first started, but now I'm realizing I'm not even close to where I need to be. You think about the story where they caught the prostitute. Remember, the Pharisees brought the woman who was caught in adultery. They threw him down before Jesus. First of all, somebody had to be a peeping Tom. Second of all, probably one of the guys in the crowd was with her. Third, hello, Jesus wrote something in the sand. He's so wise. The first one who has not, whoever hasn't sinned can throw the first stone. You're right. You're right. This is wrong. This is so wrong. But whichever one of you has never sinned, you go ahead and throw the first stone. And what does it tell us in the story? It says the old men dropped their stones first. Why? We've been around a lot longer. We understand how messed up we are. We've been walking with Jesus a lot longer. And when I say old men, I mean old men and women in the Lord. The longer we're with him, the longer we realize, phew, I thought. I thought I had a long way to go before, but the more I get to know you, the more glorious you re- I realize you really are, and I realize how much further I still have to go. Not because I'm getting worse. I'm actually looking more like you all the time, but I'm also seeing more, capturing a better glimpse of who you really are and realizing how infinitely awesome you are and how unreachable it is. This says even Jesus himself did not consider it attainable. And he was amazing. If you're wondering where that's at, that's in Philippians, Colossians. 
Ryan said he had a really strong sense that there's an expiration date on this offer from the Lord. He said he sensed almost a waiting or an, a warning or an urgency, like lives were at stake. He said, are you willing to pay whatever price to get the oil that you need? And Father, I just say yes and grace me to be faithful, Holy Spirit. Having a full lamp is the only way to get all the way through the place of victory. And then he said this, too, and this was interesting. He told about this, the, Peter, the story about Peter. Remember when he was locked up in jail? And they were praying and praying and praying at the church, and then he finally got out of jail. The angel came. Peter's in jail, and the angel, it says he kicked him in the side. So imagine being Peter. You're already in jail. You're miserable. You're probably sitting in sewage trying to keep yourself happy. And here comes an angel. You think you're dreaming. You get a big old kick in the side. You're like, geez, Louise, you have to kick me? It probably was Michael, Mr. Grumpy Pants Wrestling Man. According to Bob Evans, no, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I know it's Bob Jones. So all that happens, and he says, the, the, Ryan says, the watchman and the gatekeeper must keep close communication this year. It's going to be important. The one sees, and the other one says yes or no. Shut it or open it. And if you remember the story, they had a young girl at the door opening and closing the door, right, watching. The angel, no one was at the gate watching. So the angel had to open the gate for him to let him in, to let Peter in. And then he gets to the door, and the girl is so excited, she runs away from the door without opening the gate to let him in. Do you ever do that, get so supernaturally excited you forget to actually obey God? You're just like, in your flesh. I've been there, right? We got to get to the place of self-control where we're excited, but we, we do the obedient thing first, and then we he-he-he-he and flag and dance and flail and whatever we want to do, right? Because we, we should celebrate. We should have a good time. But we got to do that act of obedience and open the door for the Lord to come in and do what he wants to do, right? And then you remember what happened? The gatekeeper, she opened the door and went in, but they didn't listen to her. They didn't believe her because she was a little girl. And we talk about this all the time here. And they've been, this was one of the other prophetic words by Kathy Walters, which I didn't include, but I want to say this because we already say this all the time. There is no Holy Spirit Junior. There is no Holy Spirit Junior. And Carrington or Leilani or Jalen or anybody can come in here at any time and have a word from the Lord that is spot on. And our knowers, our inner man or woman, we will know that we know that it is from him. And we will be wise to receive it. All right, I'm going to move on. You still with me? If you're with me, say amen. All right, Lord loves you. Okay, I combined all these together just because it was a lot. And I was like, we need to get out of here. So these ones, I just want to give credit. Angus and Betty, Katie Barker, Rick Joyner, Kim Potter, and Doug Addison. And they basically were all talking about being fully prepared. The highlight in two of them, Rick Joyner and I believe it was Katie, or maybe it was Kim Potter, one of those two. Um, they were highlighting Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, yes, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and come and forgive their sins and heal their land. There were several things the Lord pointed out to me here. We are not waiting for the world to repent. They're never going to do it. 
That is not the problem with our nation. The worldly people in our nation is not the problem with our nation. The church is. Okay? So we need to own that, you guys. We have to own that. Are they pressing against us? Yes. Are they wreaking havoc? Yes. Are they loud? Yes. Are they partnering with the dragon? Yes. But they are not the problem. We've been given the authority. We've been given the voice. And we need to get out of the closet and go build the kingdom. And take ground and stand on the high places and say, no more. We have the authority to walk in any boardroom in the, room, in the world, no matter who is in it, what king, what queen, what president, and say, in Jesus' name, I bind everything in this room that is not of the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and I loose the favor of God around me like a shield. Open a door so that I may walk through it, Father God, and you may have your way in this place and in this sphere. You have that authority everywhere you go. And he's calling us up to take the high places. And we don't take the high places so we can lord it over people. We don't take the high places so we can create theocracies. We take the high places so we can create kingdom culture that serves the people and woos them to the perfect king of kings and lord of lords. We set a culture that says, isn't God good? Isn't he lovely? Taste and see. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. And it prepares their heart for salvation. <laughs> I'm not going to go into all that just for the sake of time. So it goes on to say, they said, I will turn every enemy meant for harm this year for the good of those that love me and are called according to my purposes. So if you're a daughter or a son of God, say, I am called according to his purposes. And he is working all the things that intend to harm me out for my good. Yes, he is. Every single one of them. Absolutely powerless. The humility, in, the, in that verse above, it says, who are called by my name will humble themselves. And I want to stop on this for a minute because this is where people miss it the most. You are not called to humble other people. Mind your own business. You are called to speak the truth in love. You are called to be gentle and kind and, and gracious and forgiving, but you are not called to humble other people. It says here, if my people, me, the Christians, me, who are called by my name, my babies, will humble who? Humble themselves. Take care of business at home. Get that personal mess cleaned up, right? Come on. I'm talking to myself, y'all. And pray, 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 pray. Talk to Father God about it. When you're not, when you're struggling with humble yourself, have the conversation. Father, truth is I really want to slap this person. That's just the truth. It's the truth. And I know it's wrong. I know it's wrong. I know that's pride, and I know it's wrong, but I'm going to be honest with you, Father. I think it's kind of funny right now, and I really want to do it. I mean, I think it might even feel good. Honestly, if I'm being honest with you, Daddy, I think I really would probably enjoy that moment. And I know it's wrong, but I need you to change my heart, right? Have we all been there? Okay? But we got to be honest. we got to pray about it. Be honest. Lord, this isn't right. Help me. Jesus, right? Amen? And he says, seek my face. So in that time when we're humbling ourselves, we got to look at Daddy's response to us. He is not angry. He's not disappointed in you. He's going, I know, that's where you're at, kid. Let's look at my word together. 
Let's look at my son together. Let's look at how many times you've missed it and remember how important it is to give other people grace. You know what I'm saying? But he's not condemning you. He loves you. He's got the look of love on his face. And he says, turn from their wicked ways, right? It requires action. Going back to the stop it word. He says, then I will hear from heaven. And I will come, and I'll forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Our nation can be healed. I'm just going to zip through these real quick. This is a word, and I'm just going to say this over you. Strength is coming to you. Come on. As you step into your new season for reaping, strength is coming for reaping. It is coming for repayment. It is coming for rest. It is coming for renewal. It is coming for refreshing, and it is coming for rapid restoration. And I hear rapid and full regeneration, absolutely complete regeneration. He is doing a new thing. We praise you, Father God. We thank you that you are good, and we receive all the fullness therein. As the army of God moves in battle, formation, and advances into victory, the roar they will roar like a ferocious lion, declaring this, the force of God's peace has crushed every enemy under my feet. Just like Donna was prophesying earlier from that uh, Passion Translation version. The force of God's peace vavs Satan's head in the earth like a nail. It's his peace. In Isaiah, he says that our confidence is actually a sign to them that they have lost the war. So sometimes just walking into a room and not being shaken by what the other enemy is trying to do through other people is a sign to them that they've lost the battle. Come on. He goes on, they go on to say, the magnitude and swiftness of my intervention is about to leave no doubt in the eyes of many that I have sovereignly intervened on behalf of those who call on my name and worship me in spirit and truth. Father, I received that. I'm ready. I've been waiting a minute. It's been a minute. I'm ready for that answer. Mm-hmm. We say yes, Lord. And this is the key. Worship me in spirit, it says. For those who are worshiping me in spirit, his spirit, and in truth. I'm very aware of where I'm at and where I'm not. And who covers me? It ain't me. It's Jesus. We are, right? We have to keep that in view. And then they went on to say that new strategies and plans are being released this week and this month at the beginning of the new year. So be watching for those because he's going to give you new plans on how to expand your tents and your territories and how to be a blessing on what it is he's calling you specifically to build in whatever area you're called to build in. Okay? So be watching for those. We're almost done here. Yep, we're almost done. Okay, so Russ Wooden going on, and this is the blessings, okay? These are the two slides of the blessings. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm blessed. Yes, you are, okay? So we just went through all the hows. That's a lot of hows, isn't it? Say, Holy Spirit, if you're feeling overwhelmed, say, I feel a little overwhelmed by the hows. <laughs> Can you help me do the hows the way you want me to do the hows in Jesus' name? Amen. Help me, help me walk in it. I love this word by Russ Wooden. He said, laying hold of the goodness of God was its title. 
And I'm just going to say this like I hear it. Joy, 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 joy. Joy, joy is coming. Oh, the joy of the Lord is coming. Sometimes when you go through your final press and you go through a massive crushing in the spirit, when you come out, there's no devil in hell, no liar in earth that can convince you that God is not good because you tasted and you've seen for yourself and you just watched him bring you out of the darkest of times and help you stand against the fiercest of foes. Then there's no devil in hell that can tell you otherwise that he is not good and that he is not able and that he is not willing. Because you not only know, you know that 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 you know. And you're like geared up. You're ready for that next battle. Because you did a face-off. Because you jumped, you were willing to be pushed out of the nest and stand on the edge of the cliff and stand in that place of faith. And you've seen a few things. That's the beauty of stepping out in faith. That's why we go from faith to faith and glory to glory. Because every time we step out, we become more glorious because we see more of him. And when we see more of him, we're transformed into more of his image. And we get bolder and stronger and more encouraged. And it's like, whoo, joy, 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 joy. Oh, he's so good. Why? Why do we get more joyful? Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because once we know who we are and we come into our place and our identity, and we come into that place of shalom, oh, wait a minute. I don't have to strive to make this happen. I don't have to work to make this happen. This is a gift, and it was freely given to me. Oh, devil, you're in trouble now. My daddy made a way somehow. And then the joy comes. I don't have to make this happen. It's not on me. It is finished. And then you can operate from that place of joy. Oh, and like that little stick figure guy, you just lean back in your recliner chair and kind of go like this. Hey, I just want to remind you who my father is. I just want to remind you it's finished. Come on, somebody. Mm. He said, the wine vats of my joy, saith the Lord, are being poured out to refresh you. Father, I receive it. If you want to receive it, say, I receive it. Not only to refresh you, but to inebriate you in the spirit, okay? Say, it's okay to be inebriated in the spirit. <laughs> it is. There are some things in your life, some battles that you face that only an inebriation in the spirit and the joy of the Lord can heal up. There's some disappointments and some traumas that you just need to get drunk in the spirit with the Lord and laugh and laugh until you cry and whatever else happens after that for people over 45. Okay? I'm just saying. Daddy gave me a title for a new book, and it's called Joyfully Undignified. Joyfully undignified. We get to the point where the joy of the Lord is so strong in our midst that we don't mind looking just odd. Because he's so good. This is so beautiful. He says, and this is a word for some of you in the room. And I, I, Father God, we don't only release this in our room, but in the city, in the state, and in the nation, and in the nations of the world. Father God says to the people of God, I am stripping away disappointments. Repeat after me. Say, disappointment. Go in Jesus' name. He says, I'm stripping away false perceptions. Say, false perceptions. Go. Ooh, something just lifted off of me. My eye twitched. 
In Jesus' name. Whoa. Thank you, Jesus. Hold on a second. Whew. Yeah, the whole left side of my face. Something just happened there. Thank you, Father. He said, false perceptions of you and who you are in the limitations I never set for you. God does have limitations for you because he created you and formed you for a very specific purpose, but he determines what those limitations are. Man does not. And if you stay in the process, he has opened doors for you that no man can shut, but he will shut doors. He will shut doors. And you just got to trust the process because he's good. And he knows you better than you know yourself. He went on, Russ said, is there anything too hard for me? The scripture in Isaiah. He said, the Lord said, press into the liberty wherewith I make you free this day. Say, Holy Spirit, grace me to press into the liberty wherewith I am free this day. Amen. Russ goes on to say that the Lord told him to say, I am in you and you in me, so expect and receive. By faith, the total victory and triumph for every struggle you face. And Laura, I was thinking about your work for this one. And Holly, your business specifically. Brent, your music. Leary, your job. Cammy, your help. So by faith and total victory and triumph for every struggle you face, every struggle. Mm. And this is one of my favorites. He says, it's now o'clock. I just thought of the, I thought of the name of God. I am. It's now o'clock. I am. It's here. It's now o'clock. What time is it, Lord? It's now o'clock. What do you want me to do? I want you to do it now. I want you to move. This is your coming up and coming out time. This is the day and the moment of vision coming to birth in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So just decree that with me. Say, this is the time. I want to make sure I say it right. Of my coming up and my coming out. And this is the moment of God's vision for me coming to birth. Amen. 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 Y'all are going to have a really good year. This is the day and this is the moment of the vision coming to birth to change every parameter by which you measure my goodness, says the Lord, and my power manifest in your life. In a single moment of time, he says, the environment around you is now utterly transformed into as in heaven, so it is on earth. Manifestation of dominion, manifestation of favor and blessing beyond any metric you have ever operated in before. And if you want that, say amen. Say, I got it. Yes, you do. All right. Last prophet. Andrew Toe. He said, get ready for a sudden surge. Woo, I just put my hands up thinking about that. Come on, Lord. Like those lightning rods, you know, I want to get mine. I want to get mine. Let me catch my piece. Surge is a strong, wave-like forward movement, a rush that sweeps in quickly. And I heard, um, Holly, I thought of you and the vision we had of victory, Jesus coming in to the house that we preached about the other weekend. Like victory is going to sweep into the room all of a sudden. 
I have heard the prayer of my people, the Lord says. I have seen their tears and have come down to deliver them. They will gasp in amazement as I accelerate my plan. And my people move forward in this hour. Amen. He said a surge is here. Things held back are released. Say it's everything held back is now released in my life. Mm -mm -mm. The promises I gave up, they are coming full circle this year. Yes. And I will watch God move. Amen. And the reason we're doing this repetitive kind of liturgical approach is because when you say it out of your mouth and you decree it, it activates it in your spirit, in your realm, okay? We want that seed not to just stay here in Shekinah. We want it to go with you everywhere you go, okay? He goes on to say, this is the time to let my voice boom in the nations. And for everyone in this room, right now, I just decree that over you. This is the time to let your voice boom in the nations. And I hear the Lord saying, everyone in the room will go to the nations. Everyone in this room. I hear persevering ones, ones that are staying the course. She's at 527. Oh, my goodness. You will go in Jesus' name. Daddy says, you will go. Ooh. He says, many of you have surge protectors on your hearts in the church. Okay? We need to take those surge protectors off. Some of them have been put on you by the spirit of religion. Others have said, do this, do no more. Say this, say no more. Dress this, dress no more. Be this, be no more. But Father God wants to rip the surge protectors off of you in this season in Jesus' name so that all the fullness of his glory and grace and anointing can flow through you in a way that he wants it to flow through you. With the power that he wants it to flow through you with. To the measure that he wants to give it to you. With the accuracy or seeming an inaccuracy that he wants to overflow through you. Amen. So if you receive that, just say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission right now to remove every surge protector in my soul, in my heart, in my mind, in my will, in my emotions, in my spirit, and in my flesh in Jesus' name. And I even hear in my life, I see bank accounts, I see houses, I see dreams, I see visions. Father, we ask right now you would loose your angels to remove it off of everything in our life, that all the fullness of our inheritance in Christ Jesus might come to pass so that your kingdom can come and your will can be done here on earth as it is in heaven, but through us. He goes on to tell the story of Lazarus, and he says, Lazarus was dead four days, but Martha came out and she said something wise. She said something so wise. She said, even now, Lord, even though this thing has been dead four days, even though my brother's been dead four days, even though it stinks and it reeks and we done buried him and we had the funeral and it looks like everything is over and the stone's rolled up and the cave is closed, even still now, Lord, whatever you ask God, he will give it to you. In other words, she said, I believe there is still hope. I believe you can still move. I believe you are still able. And I know that I know that I know when you ask, he will do it. 
And there's some things that stink in our lives. There's some things that stink in our families. There's some things that stink in our city. There's some things that stink in our state. There's some things that stink in our nation. And I feel like Father God's saying, it is not too late. And if you remember correctly, Jesus didn't come when he found out Lazarus was dead. He tarried. What was he doing? He was waiting for the right time. He was waiting. I don't care how bad it stinks or how hard it's been or how dead it looks. God wants to raise up the Lazarus in your situation and your life this year. He waited. And then Mary came out, Martha came out, full of faith, even now, Lord. Martha actually had the faith, even now, she said. He said, I am the resurrection and life. She's like, oh, well, okay, let's do this then. Right? Three words. Three simple words when it was time for deliverance, when it was time for the dead thing to be awakened. Lazarus, come forth. It was the identity of Lazarus' name. This is who you are. This is who I made you to be. It was a revelation of his identity. Come. There was a royal invitation in an encounter with the perfect love of the Father. He saw him face to face in that moment. He heard the voice of God himself. And it shook some things, so much so that it awakened him up out of that dead, stinky, rotten, wrapped up, bound, shame-covered state in Jesus' name. And then he said, forth, come forth. He gave directives. Take off his grave clothes. Come hither. And Lazarus had to respond. He had to get up. He had to move. He got a directive. And when he obeyed it, the people of God came around him to help him get all that nonsense off him. Loved him. Loved him up good. Cleaned him up good. Directives are being delivered in this hour so you will know not only who you are, but which way you are supposed to go. Isaiah 43, 17 says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And that speaks to that Lazarus issue. It looked dead and gone and stinky and covered up and immovable. But the Lord made a way in the desert. In other words, he's even Lord over the grave, the dead things in this nation, the dead things in our lives, the dead things in our family. Amen? Okay. So I'll leave you with that. I want to just briefly go over the next 10 years. 5780, we talked about the eight as a chet. We, are, we have come into a decade of gates, and we're walking through things. Many are at a crossroad, and the question is, will they learn to run with others, or will they be left behind? 5781, we're in the year of unity. This is the gate of unity, and God is giving you an opportunity to learn to run with others well, to learn to run in unity. In all the words today, I tell you how to do it. Everything we shared talks about how to do it. It is doable, and by his grace you can. But if you don't, there's an urgency on these words as well, and you'll have to wait till it comes around again. The Lord has called a unified church to humble itself 
and a unified church and a powerful remnant to take the land, but division cannot and will not be able to go onto the front lines. Not because we don't love the individuals that carry it, but because we must be united because lives are at stake. If the slightest mistake can cause the loss of life on the battlefront. I don't know if you've ever been in a war zone, but you're on the front lines and the bullets are flying and things are happening. You can't have nonsense going on. They send them back to the camp and we're going to put you in the mess hall because that's where you need to be. Because I need to know that so-and-so has my back and if a bullet comes flying at me or somebody pops up behind me, you're not going to be catcalling or having a problem. You're going to be focused and doing your job and we're all on the same team. Amen? We talk about that all the time with our land assignments. Division will, oops, sorry guys, division will not be tolerated. And it's not personal and it's not mean. It's a necessary order that we must have to successfully take the land and to ensure that God gets the glory and that no one gets unnecessarily hurt. Does that make sense? Okay, so turn to your neighbor and say, we love you and God loves you. And we want you on that front line. But division's got to go. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So what we say with our mouths, this 5780, this decade of that gate last year, it opened the door for things and it shut the door for things. Okay. But we're coming into 5781. Okay. This is an opportunity to walk through the gate of unity. I'm just going to walk through these real briefly. God showed me the next 10 years, with the numbers anyway. And he said, 5780, there were limitless possibilities for the next 10 years to be revealed. 5781, the gates of unity would be on display. All of the unity, unified movements that are pure, God's going to start to put them on display. The ones that have been faithful, I think of Cargo. 5782, gates of massive salvations will be happening in 5782. So be praying this year for those. Okay? Two is Jesus' number. That's Christ revealed. 222 is the number for the first mention of love on Mount Moriah when Abraham gave his son, his one and only son that he loved, Achava. Okay? It's a picture of the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. We'll, we'll talk about this each year. We'll explain all of these, okay? 5783, gates to help build the foundation for the next move of God. New covenants will be birthed. Three is the number for covenant. As you move into unity this year, and as you move into more of Christ in 5782, you will either align yourself to be in covenant with certain individuals, or you will disqualify yourself to be in covenant with certain individuals. And it's a choice, right? I firmly believe by 5783, there will be new alliances and networks formed, apostolic alliances that will birth new movements and bring in the greatest harvest that this world has ever seen. But it will require multiple apostolic, prophetic, multiple movements of fivefold ministry coming together to see it to happen on the level that the Lord wants to bring it. Okay. And I just want to say this. We don't have to compromise our character to line with people. There are other and enough pure-hearted ones out there to do it on a strong foundation of Christ and on his character, okay? 
So I'm just going to go to 5, 7, 8, 4, and then we'll save the rest. We'll surprise you guys with 5 through 8, maybe next year. 5, 7, 8, 4, we're going to be coming into dominion, authority and dominion within the next generation. It will begin to break forth, which is why I felt led to release that word over Jackie and Cammie. Over the next three years, we'll probably see those girls be given much more opportunity. We need their generation to be ruling and reigning, Matt as well. Yeah, and Michael, yep, all the young ones. Yeah. But we'll begin to see that come forth. So we're going from, we decreed last year, the things that were to come. We're moving in unity and having the opportunity to prove ourselves faithful this year. Salvations will be coming in this next year and the year after. And then we'll have an opportunity to build the foundations for the next move of God. And these new covenants will be birthed. You'll start to see apostolic networks, multiple apostolic networks come to the surface as those systems get in place. Okay? They'll be partnering together to change the world. Five, seven, eight, four, and then we'll be functioning in greater authority and dominion. We'll see it in that next generation come forth because the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers have united. That's really why. So you've got all these different leaders with different facets of the gift who are going to be uniting to fully equip the body of Christ, and it'll be absolutely glorious. So that next generation is going to have a major leg up, something we never had, right? We had to go to a bunch of different churches and watch everything online. There's going to be systems put in place now where someone can really get a, a full mouthful of Jesus, a well-rounded, full taste of his glory and grace, and it's going to be beautiful. All right, y'all, that is all I have for you today. I hope that you were blessed. God has a lot for you this next year, yeah? If you don't know anything, you know that after this sermon. <laughs> um, I hope you took copious notes. The Lord loves you and we love you.